Hello, Georgia, and hello, Metro Augusta. This is Janice Allen Jackson welcoming you to the May 17th edition of Local Matters, a show designed to make you a more confident voter and a more engaged citizen. As always, today's show is brought to you as a service of my consulting firm, and that is Janice Allen Jackson and Associates, where we proudly provide services to local government and nonprofit organizations. If you have not already, please follow Local Matters on Facebook. There we post various articles as well as every episode of the podcast. So in case you miss something, it's real easy to go back to that Facebook page. And of course, if you aren't on Facebook, you can always go to my website, which is JaniceAllenJackson.Weebly.com and listen to those new episodes as well. Also, as you all probably know, I started a YouTube channel a few months ago and I do have a few videos there. Uh, so please subscribe to us on YouTube when, so you will receive notifications when we post any new videos. Today, we have a guest with us who's going to talk about what we need to know in order to be good citizens. Uh, there's always that question, you know, there's always more information you can get, but how much do we really need to have in order to be prepared to vote and uh, really allow our government to function for us? So that's our topic for today. But before we get to that, I want you to know about an upcoming community conversation on policing. You may recall that back on April 20th, we did one session up at the Gilbert Lambeth Chapel at Payne College. Um, that uh, uh, event was such a success that we decided to do it all over again. So the Zeta Zi Omega chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated in partnership with the Phi Chi chapter of Chi Eta Phi Sorority and the Augusta Alumni chapter of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated will be presenting a policing forum. Uh, it's gonna take place on Thursday, June 1st at 6 p.m. We are changing the location this time around. Uh, the next location will be the Croc Center of Augusta. The location of the Croc Center is 1833 Broad Street. So again, that's Community Conversation on Policing Part 2, Thursday, June 1st, 6 p.m. at the Croc Center. We have several of the same panelists that we had last time, but we do have a couple of changes too. Um, this time we'll be joined by State Senator Harold Jones once again. We will this time also be joined by Ms. Omika Loggins, who is our Richmond County Solicitor General, Tanya Jeffords, who is a civil rights attorney here locally, Lieutenant Lucas Grant of the Richmond County Sheriff's Office, and therapist Monty Mike. So that is going to be a great event. Uh, we will be taking questions from the public as well as some questions that we have prepared in advance. So if you have questions about how to interact with police, um, how to build better relationships between police and community, uh, all of those things are fair game. Last time we also got into, you know, what happens, what should you do if you're stopped? Uh, what are your rights? What do you have to say? What should you say if you're, 
uh, being questioned by police, et cetera, et cetera. So this is going to be a great event. We also talked some about mental health and how uh, policing has impacted uh, the perception, particularly in the Black community, how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive law enforcement. So just a really good opportunity if you know of people, young, old, anybody who you think would benefit from this information, you all all come out to the Croc Center Thursday, June 1st, 6 p.m. Local Matters family, today we have a special treat, and that is a guest who is joining us from the Sandra Day O'Connor Institute. Um, she is Miss Sarah Suggs, and she is, is it president, CEO? Make sure I get that right. Yes. Okay. All right. Very good. Of that institute. And she's going to talk to something, uh, speak to an issue that is at the heart of why local matters exist. And that is the challenge of making sure that people understand how government works. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. How are you doing? I'm fine. And thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. Your, your program is an important one. And I wish there were more of them across the country. We'd be a better nation. If that was true, that's what we're aiming for, for certain. So uh, one of our traditions on local matters is that we ask our guests to tell a little bit about themselves in their own words. So please let us know who you are, the organization that you represent, and then we'll get into uh, the meat of our conversation for today. Sure. Well, I'm Sarah Suggs, and I've worked uh, with and for Justice O'Connor and the Sandra Day O'Connor Institute for American Democracy for going on 12 years now. Prior to that, I was with another nonprofit, the National Women's Hall of Fame in New York, that honors and celebrates women's con accomplishments and contributions to our, our nation across several uh, uh, areas of, of life and uh, expertise. But with the Institute, Justice O'Connor, I had the opportunity to engage in a nonprofit. First of all, I admire her body of work and the pillars that the Institute represents, which are civics education, civil discourse, and civic engagement. And that's right up your alley, too. Right. That's exactly why we exist. Um, how long has the foundation, did you tell us how long it's been, the Institute's been around? Well, the Institute was founded by the Justice in 2009 uh, when she retired from the Supreme Court after she did. Um, but initially, our work was in primarily a domestic violence space, um, uh, human trafficking, child uh, sex trafficking prevention. We had a significant grant from the Avon Foundation for Women, and that was a five-year grant and programs. And as that was winding down, Justice O'Connor gathered with us at a strategic planning task force, or excuse me, strategic planning board meeting and, and advocated, we really need to focus on American democracy. Now that was in 2015. And so we were going down that path and then something called the pandemic hit. And we had to convert all of our programs to an online platform as most organizations did. Uh, and with that, uh, Following the um, death of George Floyd, we created a series, the something called the Constitution Series, Equality and Justice for All. And we offered a speaker platform uh, to address issues on the uh, topics of equality and justice, 
beginning with the Thurgood Marshall Civil Rights Center at Howard University and their executive director, Justin Ansford. And he illuminated and educated our audience so thoroughly. And then from there, we had Dr. Spencer Crew from the African American Museum of Culture and History, and so on and so on over the course of a year. Well, lo and behold, we had participants from all 50 states and 29 countries around the world, all eager to learn about this topic and American democracy. And that's when our board said, we need a platform that is focused across the spectrum. And that's when we created Civics for Life. All right, very good. Thank you for that background. And of course, one of the reasons that that has become necessary is it appears civics education is sort of falling by the wayside in our public school. Um, and seems like it's just been squeezed out of the curriculum. Um, is that true or is that just my perception? You know, how, how do we get where we are now where people seem to know so little about basic right. issues related to American government? Well, there are studies that show, um, on average, uh, $50 is invested per, uh, per student in STEM studies and five cents uh, for civics education. Uh, over the course of 13 years of school, the average student receives one semester of civics education. And so you can look at that statistic and see it manifesting in our country, among our citizens. Now, there are wonderful programs for K-12 that are trying to address this, ga uh, this gap, and they do a great job. But there are also a, hu a huge swath of citizens that are already out of school, so they miss the boat. And what do they do about their knowledge gap on civics and how government works? That's why we created Civics for Life, really primarily targeting those adults, individuals, 18 plus, that are already out of their school years. Okay. And you've mentioned Civics for Life. Um, tell me exactly what is it, who can access it, and what types of things will they learn if they access that platform? Okay, well, civicsforlife.org was created with the help of our, uh, our staff. Uh, our director of civics education um, is in um, uh, North Carolina, and he taught civics education to high school students with learning differences for 20 years. And so what his, his ability and one of his gifts is the skill to take a subject, whatever it is, and break it down into understandable pieces and parts. And so on our website, he's taken civics from the beginning of our nation's founding to today and so that citizens have the opportunity to log on. It's completely free of charge, learn about something, fill in on something, brush up on something. And then our director of public policy, uh, was a research fellow at Stanford. He was with the um, Fordham Institute in Washington, D.C. for many years, which is an education think tank. And before that, he was in Manhattan with uh, the College Board, which is which creates the AP curricula, advanced placement curricula for the country across uh, the nation and including government. So Liam, uh, our director of public policy, focuses on civil discourse Benjamin Maynard focuses on civics education, and then our staff collectively focuses on the civic engagement piece. 
And now um, in terms of accessing Civics for Life, is it just a matter of going to your website and signing in? I mean, how, how would our folks- It is. Do we do not even require sign up. I'll tell you, we have had summer uh, programs for, for youth uh, to teach them about democracy. It's a five-day uh, camp, uh, summer camp. And the parents come to us afterwards embarrassed and saying, my child now knows more than I do. Do you have a camp for adults? And this was another catalyst for us to create Civics for Life. Some people can be embarrassed that they don't know about the Bill of Rights uh, the uh, or, or other topic, you know, and it's okay. I mean, my goodness, there's, you didn't have it in school. How are you supposed to know? Uh, you know, there was um, the Annenberg Center for Public Policy. If you remember TV Guide, Walt, the late Walter Annenberg founder, he created and endowed the Annenberg Center for Public Policy. And every year, on September 17, Constitution Day, they release a survey. Well, the survey historically has showed that only one in three adults can name a single branch of government. Well, last September 2022, it dropped to one in four. Only one in four adults can name a single branch of government. So it's trending downwards, which is alarming. And so what we want people to do is feel free, come, go, log on. Uh, when you tuck the kids in bed or you're having your cup of coffee, brush up on something, read about something. Some people want to know uh, about a specific area. What is the Electoral College? Why does it exist? Why do we need it? You know, these are important and profound questions that impact election outcomes we need to know. And I know we're going to ask you this at the end, but I want you to go ahead and tell me now, what is the web address that I could go to if I want to, say, brush up on the Electoral College or the Bill of Rights or the Constitution? It is civicsforlife.org, F-O-R, civicsforlife.org. And really, that also implies lifelong learning because it's not just, okay, I'm done and I'm all good. But really things are, and there will be new content continuously, but there's room for us to learn as we go from what, you know, from the earliest ages to uh, cradle to grave, you know, practically. But uh, anyway, we hope that people feel comfortable and we welcome them to our site at any time. Okay, great. And uh, one of the other things I was thinking of as I learned more about this concept is, you know, how much do people really need to know? I mean, there are people who get doctorate degrees in right. American government or political science. Yeah. So right. they become subject matter experts and many other things that you're talking about right now. For the average person, I mean, what type of working knowledge do you think folks need to have? What are the basics that they need to right. make sure they understand? Well, it's interesting, and that's a profound and important question. Uh, what do you need to know to be an empowered citizen? Okay, I think that's the fundamental question. The more you know, the more powerful, so to speak, you can be. Now, do you need a PhD? Not necessarily. Those scholars tend to be the teachers. But in our case, uh, we wanted to break it down make it easily approachable and easily understood sequentially so that people can click here and there for whatever interests them. As far as what do people need to know? Well, if only one, if we assume that only one in four adults can name a single branch of government, okay, why do you need to know that there's a judicial, legislative, and executive branch? Why do you need to know there's a separation of power? 
Why do you need to know? They are equally powered, okay? They all have an equal role in our democracy. And if you want a street light put up on your at the corner in your neighborhood, do you call the president of the United States? No, there are federal, state, and local municipal issues. And depending on what it is, you need to know, I want this done. How do I get it done? Who do I contact? And Civics for Life does explain that as well as how to find your representative at various levels. Okay. And what they do, for instance, one of the things I know commonly people will need to get in touch with the federal government about if you're having a problem with your social security benefits or your veterans right. benefits or your disability right. benefits, uh, that's something that you might want to know how to reach out to your Congress person about. Exactly. So. Exactly. And a lot of people they blend municipal, state, federal, uh, congressional, they, you know, it, it's complicated to some extent. And and so the more, as I say, the more you know, and if you're, you want to complain about your state and local taxes, okay, then that's one level. If, if it's the IRS, that's another level. And so, again, people think civics is something else. It's for other people. It's out there. No, it impacts each and every one of our lives every single day. Look at your paycheck. Look at the taxes that are withheld. Look at what it goes to. Some of it to Social Security. What is that for? My godson one day got his first job and he came home sticker shock with his and said, Mom, what is this? What, is all, what are all these taxes? I thought I was going to get paid this much and I only got this much. And welcome to the real world, son. You know, so it's one of those things where you need to understand where your money's going because it is your money. And my kids had the exact same reaction when they entered the workforce. They were like, wait a minute, where's, where's my money? Somebody stole my money. So, um, And as you say that, as part of Civics for Life now, is there something that kind of explains FICA, those are little initials they see well, on the paycheck? Isn't that an excellent question? Now, you've just added more content to our website because these are things that are important. And what are all of those initials that you see on your paycheck? Yes, uh, please, please. Because I think that will help bridge the gap and make the connection. This is why you need to understand a little bit more about how government works because you need to know where your money is going. That's exactly right. And even at that level, that can involve uh, civics, you know, in some cities there are there's no uh, tax on groceries, you know, and others want to have it, and some want to eliminate it. You know, that impacts every time you go to the market. So, yeah, I think uh, I think the more you can find out and learn, uh, the sharper and more capable you'll be. And not not just that, just explaining explaining it to others or to your children. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Got another question that I, I want to get to. You've made reference to already. Let's delve a little bit deeper in that. Um, here on Local Matters, we focus on local and state government for the most part. And what happens to local and state government with the goal of people feeling more empowered to improve their quality of life. Um, fundamental purpose that local matters exist in many ways. Same thing with the Sandra Day O'Connor Institute, you know, reasons that you exist. We've talked a lot about 
federal and state and local and how people can get confused about mm-hmm. where they need to go to get certain answers or information. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, I'd like to then pose this question. Does your platform, the Civics for Life platform, address local government at all? Or does it pretty much stay at the yes. federal level? Oh, no. There is, there, is, uh, there is information on the differences, not just within the branches, but if you look at your municipal government, there are the three branches at, at the local level as well. Who's the executive? The mayor. Who is the legislative branch? The council. You know, and then the courts, of course, your municipal courts. So there are examples of the branches at every, every level of government uh, in our country. And so, again, uh, helping citizens understand that. And also when it comes time to vote, sometimes there's, you know, of course, the presidential election years, we have the biggest turnout. But then there is the off cycle years and in municipal years in some cities. There are runoffs and things like that, or the presidential primaries coming up. So people need to know not just that they need to vote, as you say, becoming more informed and not missing one of those elections. Even the ones that are local, that can, again, impact your taxes and how much you pay or who's representing you at the council level. Yeah, for sure. It addresses um, how much you're paying. You know, I just got a property tax notice, um, you know, because there's a reassessment um, going on. I got my notice and, and this is not state of Georgia. This is for an out of state property. And I went, oh my goodness, can't wait for the sticker shock associated with the reevaluation of that property. Right. So, um, you pay as citizens, we pay to the local level, we pay at the state level, and we pay at the, the federal level. So yeah, that, that education is extremely important for um, our residents. Um, right. As you just think about everything that you all have done uh, to make sure that people are better educated, better engaged, and there is more civil discourse, mm-hmm. um, Let's focus a little bit on the civil discourse piece. It seems like it's getting more and more uncivil, you know, as we looked at the events of January 6th and everything that has followed. You know, do you think there is any hope and can you speak to the methods you all are employing in order to make that discourse uh, more, more civil and more cordial? Well, Things are definitely more polarized and uncivil. There's no question about that. We see it every day. How how can things change? Well, you'll recall um, during the pandemic, we were coming out of it. Some people, oh, you know, we're canceling Thanksgiving. You know, nobody can talk at the dinner table or, you know, half of the family feels this way and half the family feels that way. And so it was just like nobody wanted to go to battle. And, and so why? So you, you have to ask yourself, well, why can't a family have Thanksgiving? Well, because they like this or that or don't like this or that. Part of civil discourse is, you know, what did our grandmothers teach us? You know, be polite. Listen, if you don't agree, you know, just maybe you just say, well, I appreciate what you said. I don't happen to agree with it. You know, without shouting or yelling, there are, you can, as Justice O'Connor says, you can disagree without being disagreeable. 
Sometimes I think it helps us to listen to the other point of view because it teaches us tolerance. Doesn't mean we have to accept it. Doesn't mean we have to like it. But I do think that just, I look at great examples of civil discourse. The Probably the greatest example in my lifetime was Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And so he, I remember growing up and watching him and his speeches and his interviews on television. I sometimes watch him on YouTube today because he was so thoughtful in how he communicated with others. And one, one of the most difficult issues of a generation and still continues today. So I, I think we have to look at great examples of civility and try and, and emulate their example. Exactly. And I, I, I do, that's a great, uh, way to put it, you know, learn from those before you who uh, definitely had more of a grasp on it. I almost so wonder now, it appears as if being in civil benefits some elected officials, you know, from the standpoint mm. of um, people seem to rally around the incivility at times, which is amazing to me. You know, I right. was in a more genteel era uh, mm-hmm. where uh, folks were expected to demonstrate respect and restraint uh, right. at times of disagreement, but it seems like just the opposite is being cheered on. And I hope that, you know, we aren't at a point of no return, but sometimes it feels that way. Right. Well, if you look at the history of our country, uh, people have gotten riled up over this or that for generations. And, but what has every, every once in a while, a leader comes along and kind of is like the oil on boiling water that calms the calms everybody. And for example, if you look at Lincoln in the Civil War, you know one of the most clearly the the most divisive time that almost split our nation. But his ability to add a little bit of wit, the idea of Abraham Lincoln screaming and shouting and whipping people up into frenzy is just doesn't even make sense. So again, we just have to pause and I think remember, uh, I think part of the reason people get upset is because they feel like they're not being heard or respected. And when people feel that way, they tend to get angry. And so I think part of it just starts with being able to listen to them, say, I hear you, don't happen to agree, but I respect your right to say it. And I think even just that, it kind of quashes the other side's other perspectives view that I have to shout at you to have you hear me. No, you don't have to shout at me. Just speak to me. And I'll let you know if if you've I've been persuaded or not. But I think we need to get back to basics of what our grandparents taught us. And that is fundamentally treat others how you'd want to be treated. But we've gotten so far off that uh, I hope we can go back to it. Uh, thank you so much for that. You have reminded me of a quote. Uh, I know it was attributed to Dr. King, maybe some others as well. And it is, a riot is the language of the unheard. So there you go. in the same way you were saying that the, all of the shouting and the incivility may indeed be the language of somebody that doesn't feel heard even you know sometimes I feel like they got to know that folks are listening particularly with all the social media and everything um, that exists now to help spread the word but it still mm-hmm. s- it seems like maybe that that is the root of 
of the frustrations that we see and hear. We right. only got another minute or so. Is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners before we close out this interview? I would just like to thank you for the public service that you bring to the table. Uh, it's, as I said, it, it it does matter. And local matters probably more than almost anything because that's where people have the opportunity to, as I say, get on the on-ramp of civic engagement. You have to start somewhere and local is the best place to do it. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you so much for being a guest on Local Matters. Uh, now that you've been here, you're a part of the family. So welcome to the Thank local you. Matters. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Come to Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. Um, All right. If you could give your web address so people know where to go if they want to participate in Civics for Life. Yes, civicsforlife.org. You're all welcome. Please join Local Matters next week when our guest will be Benish Brown of Destination Augusta. I close with my favorite Bible verse from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. This show is designed to contribute to each of those, giving you the power that comes with knowledge, demonstrating love for your local community, and offering you wisdom for decision-making so that you possess a sound mind when it comes to these topics. Please tune in next Wednesday at 1.30 p.m. here on WKZK, 1600 AM, 103.7 FM, and WKZK.net because local matters.